Vera Payne. Growing vegetables in your own garden is a wonderful way to save money while enjoying the benefits of fresh, natural produce. Whether you're growing your veggies indoors or outside, there are some things you should know to have a successful garden. Vegetable account manager at Pan American Seed Company, Josh Kirschenbaum, gives some gardening tips to help with your gardening. Thanks for joining me, Josh. No, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell me, how'd you get into gardening? Well, it's funny that you ask that. When I was a child, my mom made gardening a chore, and I absolutely hated it. And then when I was in college, I was, you know, my first and second year, I was going into taking all these different basic general classes. I stumbled upon a botany class that I absolutely fell in love with. And that's when I decided to pursue that as, you know, my education. And um, yeah, in particular, like I was very, very, and am still very passionate about vegetables. So I decided to go into that field within the, the plant world. Nice. So, I mean, you're the guy to go to to talk about, you know, gardening, wow. especially for this year. Now, one of the things that I've always been curious about, you know, how important is frost? I mean, do you really need to be that accurate about frost dates? Well, it depends on what type of vegetable we're talking about. So in cases of things like tomatoes, peppers, like squash, cucumber, those are actually very, very uh, frost sensitive. And if you plant them too early without any protection, they could die when they're young. And then oftentimes at the end of the season, once we get our first frost, it will also mean that that will be the end of the plant. That being said, though, you can do things pretty darn easily, especially earlier on in the season, to get them to protect them if there's going to be a freeze. So putting something like a, a even just like a trash bag over the plant itself overnight, it'll act as a little greenhouse for it to keep it warm until it starts warming up during the daytime. Oh, that's nifty. But what about the roots? Do you have to think about how to keep that warm? The other thing to keep in mind is if, if the roots, you know, they're in soil. And so the soil will kind of act as an insulation for them on its own. That being said, that does not mean that you can grow a tomato plant in January in, in Chicago. And so, you know, it, the roots are not as much of an issue, especially if it's just going to be a frost overnight. But that all being said, one of the things that I have learned over time is that, you know, it's always great to get a head start and be on top of the game and this, that, and the other. But until it starts warming up and you have the right soil temperatures and everything, the plant isn't going to necessarily benefit from getting too much of a head start if it's going to be cold and it just won't grow and kind of just sit there and get stressed out a little. Oh, okay. So what would be a good beginner vegetable for people to start out with? Well, I think that lettuce and other types of salad greens are really great for people for their first time, simply because they're pretty easy to grow. Uh, they don't require a ton of sun. They also grow really quickly. So if you were to either start from seed or get young plants of something like lettuce, I mean, you could start harvesting it within a few weeks of plants. It's also something that can grow in a container very well. It could grow in the ground. So there's lots of benefits to giving lettuce and other types of salad greens a start. And of course, they're healthy for you too. So that's always a nice benefit. But then another one, and it's not necessarily a vegetable, but herbs are another great thing to grow for newbie edible growers, let's just say. A lot of them, like basil and oregano and mint, they'll grow also in container or in the ground. And so you have plenty of options there. 
And since you're harvesting the leaves off of them, you really can start harvesting them shortly after you get the plants too. And so that's another really nice one for newbies. And then the last thing I would say is if you're going to try to start something from seed, which anyone that's listening, I would not be afraid of it. I know that some people think that you need to have like a you know doctorate in botany in order to figure out how to start things from seed. But I assure you that if I can sit here and talk about it with you, any of your listeners can certainly do it. And so that being said, things like radishes, or cucumbers or squash are somewhat easy to do from seed. Again, when it comes to seed starting, it's just really important to make sure that you have the right soil temperature and just keep the soil moist until the seeds germinate. I'm glad you're talking about seeds because I've always been curious, heirloom seeds, are those the best to go mm-hmm. with? That is a really good question. And the answer to that is probably uh, depends on who you ask. So heirlooms, have been around for many, many generations. It's been passed down, and it's obviously been passed down for a reason. So maybe something tastes really great, or there is a very interesting shaped tomato or an interesting color of a tomato. But oftentimes with these heirlooms, they don't have disease resistance built into them, or they might not be necessarily early maturing for particular areas where you need to have things mature quickly. They also might not be highly productive, and that's not always the case on any of those, but oftentimes that's what happens. And so that's when some of the newer genetics can be very useful just because they are bred specifically to be early maturing or to have disease resistance. But I also want to make it clear that by saying bred, it's basically meaning developing new varieties. This is not genetic engineering necessarily. Like So for example, I work for a company that develops new varieties of vegetables as well as flowers. And we don't do any genetic engineering or genetic modification in that process. It's all done conventionally. And so just because it's a newer variety does not mean that it's genetically engineered. Now, when it comes to making a garden outside, what should you take into consideration? Because there's so many things out there. There are like the boxes that you can make, raised beds. Yeah. There's yep. I mean, placement. What do you really have to take into consideration when you want to start your garden? The first recommendation that I would give for starting a garden, for the, especially if you're doing it for the first time, is to start small. I have learned that people have, you know, the beginner's luck. And, you know, they'll have this huge garden and everything will do really, really well. And they won't know what to do with themselves because it kind of takes a lot of time if you have a huge garden. So starting small, it would be my first recommendation. And then the other things to consider, sunlight. In general, most vegetables need full sun. So putting your vegetable garden in a space where it's going to get as much sun as possible is going to be desirable. The other thing to keep in mind is soil drainage. You know, if you consider the roots of these vegetables, kind of the feet of the plant, you don't want your feet soaking in in standing water. You want good drainage. And so that's oftentimes with those raised beds that you were referring to. It's nice because you can add soil or add compost to help the drainage, which is also very desirable for the plant. So what about placement? This is a word I've been seeing a lot of. I don't really understand nightshade. You're not supposed to put nightshade Mm -hmm. plants next to others, or I'm not sure quite how that works. Yeah, so there's lots of folklore, let's say, on planting different types of plants next to each other. And there are some benefits for sure. 
when you hear nightshade, it's referring to a family of plants that actually includes tomatoes, peppers, and eggplants. There also happens to be a weed that is in the nightshade family that can be, you would not want to eat it. I think that it's poisonous, actually. But you, you, you'll be able to tell that. I mean, it's clear to see the difference between that plant and a tomato. But that being said, you know, as far as what to plant next to each other, it is beneficial, again, and this is a common error that I even have, is when you go to a garden center and you buy the small young plant, if it's a tomato, you're not necessarily, or I'm not necessarily thinking that this plant is going to get, you know, anywhere from seven to eight feet tall and spread too. And so it's really important to take into a consideration the final size of the plant when you're planting it and making sure that you put plants next to it that aren't going to be competing for space. So planting a tomato, which like I said, it could get, you know, pretty robust and have an extensive root system. You might consider planting something like lettuce or radishes next to it because those types of plants don't necessarily have a huge root system and they're not going to be competing for sunlight and or water and nutrients. And speaking of nutrients, this is something that I feel like I'm always overdoing on the soil specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to your local hardware or garden center and you know, they have all kinds of soil available. Which one's the right one? Like, can you just buy the cheapest bag or should you spend the extra 15 bucks and get the bigger, you know, the expensive ones? It again depends on what you're going to be growing. So if we're talking about buying soil for like containers um, for vegetables, it would, in my opinion, be advantageous to buy the nicer stuff that has good um, drainage that might even have some nutrients in the soil already so that it'll help feed the plants. If you're just using, you know, your, your existing ground, like if you're going to be growing in the ground, oftentimes you don't need to add any soil. You just need to do some, some digging up and tilling and helping get that aeration. So to answer your question, I probably would spend a little bit more on good soil for your vegetables if you're growing it in a container. That does not mean you need to spend like, you know, top of the line, but just something that has good aeration uh, to help the, the moisture and a little bit of fertilizer. And it would be great. Hmm. Okay. So we did the soil. We did all the, the easy stuff. What about the bugs? I think mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing, at least for me. How do you handle sure. the variety of bugs outside? Because you can't stop them. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And the main suggestion that I would have when it comes to insects is to know what the insect is before you treat it. Because to your point, there's lots of really beneficial insects out there that will eat all the bad guys. There would be, you know, it'd be terrible if you went and found some spray for a bug that turned out to be beneficial. So that would be my first recommendation. But that being said, so after you do identify that this bug is indeed a pest, there's plenty of natural, organic insecticides that you can use because keeping in mind, you're going to be eating these plants. And so it's a little bit more important to pay attention to the type of product you're using. That being said, even with some of the all natural or organic insecticides, just make sure to read the label because some of them, you know, if you applied something to your lettuce in the morning, it might make a recommendation to not harvest your lettuce until the following day or something like that. So just make sure that you read the label and are following the directions on the, the packaging. 
what kind of stuff can you grow in your house? I know herbs for one, but can you do something big like potatoes? Yeah. Potatoes, I've that's a good one that I have never tried, to be honest with you. You know, really when it comes to growing vegetables, you know, sunlight or light and water and temperature are the three main things to keep in mind. So if you were going to do potatoes, I think that you'd have to have a big tub to grow them in. And I think you'd have to use some sort of artificial lighting just so that the plant would be able to photosynthesize enough and basically give itself enough food to create your own potatoes. So I might steer clear of potatoes. But that being said, we actually just introduced a whole new line of vegetables called kitchen minis. And these are tomatoes and peppers that are actually meant to be grown on a sunny windowsill, on a patio table, on a kitchen counter. They're like ultra compact peppers and tomatoes. So the idea would be you go to a store, you buy one of the plants, and the plants should probably have fruit on it already. You take it home, kind of like you do with the herbs, and you just water it and keep it in a sunny spot for several weeks you can harvest from it. And then eventually, like these plants are not going to produce year-round like from one plant. Eventually, the plant will start fizzling out and stop producing fruit, at which point you can then go and compost that plant and go back and buy another one. So it's very exciting because I think, especially over the past year or two, there has been a tremendous amount of new gardeners out there, and we all are just kind of itching to be able to grow something and to grow something that we can eat food from. It's, it's very rewarding. And so this gives a chance to anyone, whether you have a garden space or whether you even have a patio, to grow your own vegetables. And that's something that's really exciting to me. Do you have an opinion on grow bags? Because that's something I see too a lot of right now. Do you think yeah. that's pretty yeah. good to do right now? Yeah. I mean, again, there's all different types of them out there. And so I'm sure that there's some sort of you know differences in quality. But in general, with the grow bags, they, they should work just fine. The main thing to keep in mind with either grow bags or any type of container gardening that you're going to do is that the soil that's in those bags or containers are going to dry out a lot quicker than the natural groundwood. So it's, it's really important, especially in the Chicagoland area or areas that get warm, hot summers, to water. The past weekend, it was very, very warm here. I had to water all of my container vegetables each day. So that's the main consideration for the grow bags for containers or any of it would just be to make sure that it's well watered in the heat of the sun. Now, what kind of vegetables could you have that could survive like the Chicago fall, like late fall? Actually, there's a whole group of plants that actually prefer to grow in cooler conditions. And lettuce, the one that I was recommending for beginners, is a great product that really likes the cooler temperature. So growing that in the fall does well. And then, you know, a group of vegetables called brassicas, which includes broccoli and cauliflower and kale and kohlrabi and what am I forgetting here, mustard, arugula. Those actually, too, really prefer cooler temperatures and do much better when grown in the fall or early spring in some cases. But I, I actually prefer doing that in the fall than being grown in the summer. Wow. Lettuce? looks so intimidating. I didn't realize it was actually pretty easy. <laughs> Again, if I can sit here and talk to you about it and make that recommendation, I promise you that you can grow lettuce. It doesn't take up a lot of space. So if you wanted to just grow a few heads of lettuce in a container, it's very, very feasible. 
you're just eating the leaf material. You're not like waiting for the plant to fruit and, you know, flower and fruit like you do with pota- uh, tomatoes and, and peppers, those types of crops. It's definitely a nice, easy one to give a shot. And you can do successive planting too, which means that you could kind of plant it throughout the season so that you'll have a continual harvest throughout the season. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. And for those listening, where can they find more information about you? You can visit our website, which is www.panamseed.com, which has our entire assortment of vegetables, herbs, as well as the flowers that we develop. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends.